0: about that. Last week, we kicked off uh, a message series uh, that I've entitled, Gracism. I got the idea from uh, Dr. David uh, Anderson's book. You can put that back up there. But we're talking about God's grace through the beauty of race, class, and culture. And um, this week, I want to continue on what I'm calling the seven commitments of a church that looks like heaven. How many are you thankful that you're a part of a church that looks like heaven? And last week I told you that only 13.9% of churches are multicultural. And so it's not just just speaking into this because of what's happening in our nation and culture, though it is important and though I am speaking to those things, but it's important for us to realize as a congregation what God has given us to steward. How many know the person sitting next to you on your right and your left are important to God? Amen. and we must steward these relationships because we are we say on our weekly planner, we're a church that looks like heaven. last week, I introduced and defined that term for you. again, this is not my term this is Dr. David Anderson, who's a pastor in Baltimore, he said, Gracism is to extend God's positive favor to people regardless of their color, class, or culture. As a church, if we want to help race relations in our community, country, and in our world, if we want to build a bridge and be on mission for God, then we have to become what I told you last week, ambassadors of reconciliation first corinthians chapter 12 verse 12 i started and stopped here last week we're going to read the entire verse but it says just as a body though one has many parts but all its many parts form one body so it is with christ for we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body everybody say one body whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Last week I told you that Paul was using this illustration. If you look at uh, the chapters that verse tw- uh, chapter 12 is sandwiched in between, he's addressing what's happening uh, in chapter 11, and then he follows up with the love chapter, chapter 13. But Paul is using the illustration of the body here As an example, to talk about unity with, within diversity. Verse 14, we'll read the rest of it. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not... For that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? How many are just thankful for the different parts of the body? Amen. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As is written, there are many parts but one body. Now what I want you to do is I want you to think about the opening verse there, verse 12, for we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. I want you to think race and class for a moment as we continue in verse 21. Listen to this in light of that, because Paul wants us to understand what he's addressing. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. How many of you have ever stubbed your pinky toe? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together. How many you know God knows what He's doing? Amen. Giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. I'm going to say that again. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Ultimately, Paul is saying, hey... I don't just want you to be a church that looks like heaven. I want you to be a church that treats others like heaven. I want you to be a church that honors each other like heaven. I want you to be a church that prefers others like heaven. That walks unity out like heaven. That leads like heaven. That is an example like heaven. I just don't want to look like it. I want to embrace all that heaven has for me on earth as a church. This morning, I want to look at the next two commitments of a church that looks like heaven. Last week, we talked about, I will lift you up. And again, it's just the fact that Darwin came. Listen, it's been just such an encouragement to my life over the last several months. But him even coming... When he could have been at any other church, I'm just telling you, if you follow him on social media, you see the churches that he's going to. For him to come here and just to encourage us in worship, to bring the presence of God like he did and usher it in and lead us to a God encounter was just so encouraging. I know not only to me, but to you. The the second commitment, the first one being I will lift you up, which we experienced last week, The second one this week is, I will cover you. I will cover you. Going back to verse 23, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, covering, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. Paul is telling us that there are parts of the body that need our special attention. There are parts of the body, and many of you know this, that are more vulnerable at times than others. I just mentioned to you my son, he broke his hand, and when you think of breaking your hand, you think of a major break, but when they x-rayed it after practice, they saw that it was just this little bone that goes across your hand right here. Just a little bone, and his hand was as big as a balloon. There are parts of the body that are more vulnerable at times than others, and so they casted it up, and now that they still want him to be able to play if they need him, absolutely need him, if there's another injury, they wrap that, they wrap it because it's in a vulnerable state. Vulnerability means in need of special care, support, or protection, because of age, disability, or risk of abuse or neglect. To say I will cover you is a commitment to care for you. To say I will cover you is a commitment to support you. To say I will cover you is a commitment to protect you. Have you ever found yourself in a spot where you felt unpresentable? Maybe you've been angry and frustrated or you didn't want to see anyone, talk to anyone, you felt isolated and alone, uncertain, and maybe even fearful of being exposed, and someone instead came and covered you. Have you ever been covered when you were in a vulnerable place? I've mentioned this before, but in 2004, when we closed the doors of our church, I went two years, probably the darkest time, of my life and I was really in a vulnerable place and it was a place where I wasn't mad at God but I was extremely disappointed in people I didn't want to talk to anybody I kinda isolated I was doing my thing I got a job I was doing my thing and I was invited to just kinda just come to church a friend of mine pastors a church there where I live he said hey listen I just want you to stay connected. You could come to our church and just sit in the back. I just want you to stay connected. Again, that two years, I experienced all the D's. Disappointment, defeated, depression, discouraged, you name it. I felt it. And I got to the place where I didn't even really want to go back into ministry. That I started to get sarcastic. Have you ever got sarcastic before? I intentionally, and listen, this is a confession, I intentionally blew interviews with other churches that I could have went on staff. I intentionally blew them because I didn't, want, I, I didn't want to step back into ministry. And then Dr. Sam Huddleston reached out to me. He said, boy, we need to get breakfast. I said, yes, sir, and he said, you meet me at Brookfield's there on the corner of Sunrise and Folsom, and I met him there, and he said, man, what's going on with you? And I began to tell him, "Have anybody ever have a pity party before? I began to tell him, he's just listened there, and if you know Dr. Sam, you know he has a huge heart for people, and he's walked long roads with people. And remember after I was all done stating my case of where I was in life, I remember he looked at me and he said, Dean, do you know what you need to do? I said, no, tell me. What do I need to do, Dr. Sam? He said, you need to dust yourself back off. You need to dust yourself off and get back on your horse. In essence, Dr. Sam was saying, Dean, I will cover you. In essence, Dr. Sam, he didn't listen. Dr. Sam is the assistant superintendent of the Assembly's God. He didn't have to take time out of his busy schedule, listen, to reach out to me. But in essence, he was saying, Dean, I care about you. I support you, and I'm going to walk with you till you're back where you need to be. How are you thankful for people that will just walk with you? You see, the bottom line, this principle, I cover you, is a pastoral commitment we learn from Jesus. He himself was concerned about those who had no covering. Matthew 9 verse 36 says, but when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. One of the things that we're doing as a staff, we're, we're emphasizing it, we're, we're, we're putting it right there in front of us, is that we are committed to taking care, better care of the flock. Listen, we care about you. We love you. We want to offer better support. We want to offer better protection. And as a pastor, that's my call. There are two types of folks, right? People that have no shepherd and people who think they have no need for a shepherd. I want to talk about the first type. I'll come back to the other one on another series. 1 Peter 5, 2-4 says, When you shepherd the flock God has given you, watch over them, not because you have to, how many know there's difference between a have to and a want to? Amen. When you shepherd the flock that God has given you, understanding this, watch over them not because you have to, because you want to. Amen. For this is how God would want it, not because you're being compensated somehow, but because you are eager to watch over them. And I want to just say, as your pastor, I am eager to To watch over this flock As a staff, listen, we are eager Listen, you can't pay me enough Listen, you don't have to pay me And I'll still be concerned about you Verse 3 Don't lead them as if you were a dictator But lead your flock by example And when the chief shepherd appears You will be crowned with honor That will shine brightly forever In other words, 1 Peter here It's saying, you know what? It doesn't matter if nobody knows what you're doing. It doesn't matter if nobody sees you reaching out to that person and pulling them in. It doesn't matter. Why? He says, when the chief shepherd appears, you will be crowned with honor that will shine brightly forever. You see, as a church, we must be willing to cover our community We must be willing to care for our community. And that's the commitment that I've made as your pastor. And that's what we're just starting to step into. We must be willing to care for our community, support our community, protect our community. Not for any other reason other than God has placed us here on purpose for a purpose. When the 15-year-old teen was tragically killed while riding his bike... My heart went out to that family here just in the summer a few months ago. I wanted to help, and I told you as a church, I, I, I was looking for anything I could find online on ways to help the family, whether it was a financial donation we made or whatever it might be. <clears throat> After several attempts to find out how we could assist, I, I was running into walls everywhere I went, but unbeknownst to me, Going into the weekend, we received a call that over we were we here at the office over the weekend asking if we could host the funeral services for the young man. We partnered with another church, we waived all the fees. Why? Because there was a family hurting and in need of our community. Amen. They didn't have to attend real life church. In fact, another church did the services. We just wanted to open our doors and say, you know what? We cover you in a place of vulnerability. You see, I will cover you is a commitment, not just if you belong to real life church. I will cover you is a commitment of God's grace to you no matter where you are at. Secondly, and I'm closing with this point. I will share with you. It's the third commitment of a church that looks like heaven. A friend of mine a few years ago had asked me to travel with him. And I was uh, really looking forward to the time together. Um, Hadn't seen him in a while. Maybe seen him maybe once a year or so. But I was so looking forward to the time that we'd spend together on the long flight to the East Coast again, because we didn't see each other that much. And when it was time to to board the plane, he mentioned that he wouldn't be sitting with me because he had the opportunity to get bumped to first class. I didn't even get the emergency row exit, if you know what I mean. My ticket was obviously in economy class. And I just kind of smiled and said, man, that's cool. But what I was really thinking was, man, you're going to choose convenience over community and connectedness? (laughs) I was thinking some other stuff too, but I had to take that thought captive in Jesus' name. (laughs) 1 Corinthians 12.24 says, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. You see, I will share with you is a commitment to stay connected to you rather than doing what's convenient for me. It's a refusal to accept favors and perks that may hurt you or separate us. It's understanding and acknowledging if my rights, my freedoms, and my privileges chip away at your dignity, then I will think twice about exercising them. Dignity is is to find the state or quality of being worthy of honor or respect. I mentioned earlier and thanked everyone for the Family Fun Festival that we did, Light the Night over there at the Artisan. You know, it would have been really easier for us just to do one this year. It would have been cheaper for us to do one this year. It would have been less taxing on the staff and visionaries to do one this year. But listen, I've made a commitment as long as we are overseeing the artisan, whatever outreach we do here in this community, that community deserves the same. Some way, somehow. We were all spread out throughout the festival. We had all our trunk or treaters lined up, and I was manning my bounce house, and, and uh, you know, kids were just charging in, and a <clears throat> uh, single mom came with her daughter, and she was jumping, man, she was having so much fun, and the mom was watching there, and I just said, how are you guys doing, and she said, you know what, she said, I just want you to, I, I just want to say thank you for creating a safe place for us. And I said, "Oh, you're welcome." She says, she says uh, "You know, you never know what you're going to get around here yeah. talking about yeah. where, the neighborhood where she lives. She says, "You never know what you're going to get when you knock on the door around here." Wow. But how many of you know <laughs> when we share? Yeah. How many of you think that every child deserves a safe family fun festival? Yeah. You see, the gospel continues to take us back to this place. I will cover you. I will share with you. It's the heart. It's the pulsating heart of Jesus Christ. It's the centrality of the gospel. You can't ignore it. You cannot read scripture. You cannot read the New Testament. And my eyes, listen, are being opened even more. You cannot ignore the issue that Paul addressed this over and over and over and over again. Jesus himself addressed it. James 2, 1 through 7, it says, and this is on the screen as well, I've got several slides, but it says, my brothers and sisters, I know you heard this before. How many of you have heard it before? (laughs) But stop playing favorites. Do not try to blend the genuine faith of our glorious Lord Jesus, the anointed one, with your silly pretentiousness. This is the voice translation, by the way. (laughs) Verse two, if an affluent gentleman enters your gathering wearing the finest clothes and priceless jewelry, don't trip over each other trying to welcome him. And if a penniless bum crawls in with his shabby clothes and a stench fills the room, don't look away or pretend you didn't notice. Offer him a seat up front next to you. This reminds me of a It was kind of a funny moment But this is Amy and I We were youth pastors in Fremont uh, For several years And we had a homeless ministry We had a, one of the only approved kitchens in Fremont That could serve uh, hot meals to the homeless And I remember uh, I remember this uh, one homeless gentleman walking in and, and he just made his way up Right to the front Right where Pastor Tyler was sitting He just, boom, right there And he sat right there And He had a rough night. You could tell and you could tell and you could smell. And we were singing that song. I don't even know what song it is now. I will sing of your love forever. You know that song? We were like, I will sing of your love. And everybody was like, praise God. You know, everybody was into it, right? And then we had one of those holy pauses moment. Those holy, you know, those like holy hush moments. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like that Selah moment, like. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know what are those? And I remember right in that moment, right? Right in that moment, this guy just bursts out. That song reminds me of my girlfriend. (laughs) The whole church just lost it. But we just loved on that man. We loved on that man week after week, month after month poured into that man, and we've seen lives change because there was love and acceptance in the building. By the way, you guys are able to sit on this front row as well. It's legal here at this church, all right? Verse 3 and 4, if you tell the wealthy man, come sit by me, there's plenty of room, but tell the vagrant oh, these seats are saved, (laughs) go over there, then you'll be judging God's children out of evil motives. My dear brothers and sisters, listen, God has picked the poor of this world to become unfathomably rich in faith and ultimately to inherit the kingdom which he has pledged to those who love him. By favoring the rich, you have mocked the poor, and correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it the rich who step on you while climbing the ladder of success? And isn't the rich who take advantage of you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones mocking the noble name of our God, the one calling us? Something to think about. In the commentary, I didn't know the voice had a commentary, but I discovered a commentary this week. But it says this, and again, this is on the screen. It says, we are often mesmerized by the rich, powerful, and beautiful people of the world. We dream of associating with them, but when we focus our attention on the fashionable people of this world, it is often at the expense of those who need it most. Ignoring the needy and favoring the wealthy is completely contrary to the example Jesus modeled for us while walking on earth. God often chooses those who are the poorest materially to be the richest spiritually. We should welcome everyone equally into God's kingdom, even if it means upsetting boundaries like class and race. The rule is simple. We should treat others in the same way we want to be treated. God does not play favorites, and neither should we. Amen. Amen. I began to think, you know, ultimately, Jesus lived out this principle when he laid down his life for us. Philippians 2.7, it says this. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Why would he do that? John 1 14 I'm reading out of the message it says the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes the one-of-a-kind glory like father like son generous inside and out true from start to finish. Pastor D, you can come on the key. I'm almost done here. And then 1 Timothy 2.5 says, There is one God and one mediator who can reconcile. Again, ambassadors of reconciliation. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. Everybody say everyone. 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 This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. I couldn't help but think this morning as we are getting healthier as a church, as we are moving forward as a church, that maybe this morning this is just the right time for you to hear a message of hope. I thought this morning maybe you're without a covering and you need care, support, and protection. I thought maybe there were some here this morning that maybe you need your dignity back. Maybe you need to know that you're worth it. How many of you know you're worth it? This morning, I felt led to ask you to open your heart first to Jesus Christ, the one who can give it to you, the one who can cover you, the one who can support you, the one who can give you your dignity back, the one who will give you your value back. The one who gave up his divine rights so that you could have the same access to the Father. The one who will meet you where you're at so he can take you where you need to go. And the one who can restore your dignity, worth, and respect if you allow him to cover you and share with you this morning. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if that's you, and you just say, Pastor Dean... I need access to the Father this morning. I understand what Jesus did for me. And I need to meet Him this morning. Or maybe you find yourself in a place like me, discouraged, defeated. Maybe you've lost your way a little bit. And you need someone like Dr. Sam Huddleston who came into my life and came alongside of me and said, Dean, dust yourself off this morning by the power of the name of Jesus. Is he telling you this morning, dust yourself off. I will lift you up. I will cover you. I will share with you. Or maybe you're here this morning. You just say, I just need my dignity back. I don't know what you've been through. Maybe you've been through divorce. Maybe you've lost everything. I don't know. But I know that you're not here by accident. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is here. The Holy Spirit is here to say, you know what? I will cover you and I will share with you. If you're here this morning and you recognize that you are not here by accident, but you say, you know what? I want to meet Jesus Christ this morning as my personal Lord and Savior. Will you just lift your hand? Is there anybody else? Yes. Yes. Anybody else? You go ahead. I'm not going to bear. Yes. Anybody else? Back there. Yes. 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 Praise God. How we you know four people is worth it all. Amen. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask those individuals that lifted their hand just to stand. Can you stand? Just be bold. Would you mind standing this morning? Yes. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Yes. See you back there. Awesome. We're going to pray this prayer together as a church, but I want you to repeat this prayer After me. Will you guys do that? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming into my life and meeting me where I'm at. Thank you for laying your life down, giving up your divine privileges that I could accept you. As my personal Lord and Savior, I ask you to forgive me for all my sin. And I thank you that because of the cross that you died on, your blood has washed me white as snow. I am a new creation and I have a new beginning in Christ. Amen. 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 Can we just give the Lord praise this morning?